0: An airport bustles full of holiday travelers. While most move slowly through the crowded terminal, one man in a suit pushes past the rest. Brow furrowed in frustration, he cranes his neck
1: and scans the walls, looking for an open power outlet. Eventually, he finds a spot and sinks into a narrow leather chair, but his face shows no sign of relief. He unzips his bag, pulls out of massive wires and hurriedly untangles a charger.
0: As he turns on his laptop, sweat starts running down his face. He clicks repeatedly on his browser until his email comes up. No new messages. He has nothing to work on. He bites his lip and glances around the terminal, looking slightly lost.
1: As holiday music begins eking through the speakers, His expression darkens. He taps his foot, stands up, then sits back down and checks his email again. Nothing. His face reddens.
0: He stands up again and tries to stifle a cough, but can't. His chest suddenly spasms and his nose starts running. He feels around in his duffel for the cold medicine he brought, but most of his attention remains
1: on his laptop. No messages but there had to be work to do. He thought about giving up on his vacation right there and making a mad dash back to the office in case something was wrong. But a migraine pushed the thought from his head. Just like clockwork, for the third Christmas
0: in a row, he's sick, and though he didn't know it, his illness was caused not by the vacation, but by the work
1: itself. When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game, with life or death stakes.
0: This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm Molly.
1: And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them.
0: As we follow these high-intensity stories, we'll explore medical research that might solve the puzzle.
1: You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar.
0: At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network.
1: This is our first and only episode on leisure sickness, a psychological phenomenon in which individuals who are especially devoted to their work become physically ill when they try to relax. This week, we'll go over several of the potential
0: causes of leisure sickness and the controversy surrounding the condition. We'll also examine how the motivations of people suffering from the illness and even society itself can make the condition worse.
1: Stories from victims of leisure sickness may sound familiar to many. A high-powered professional pours all his energy into his job. He derives his self-esteem and sense of worth from promotions and bonuses. He works endlessly, taking the lead on every project he can. Those around him can't understand how he does it.
0: Sometimes, it doesn't even seem as if he gets any satisfaction from closing big accounts or raising his productivity. But he keeps going
1: nonetheless. To his co-workers, he's like a phantom who permanently inhabits the office. He doesn't go to social functions or have any outside hobbies. He barely even eats. He lives to work. But
0: at some point, everyone has to take a break, even if, in his case,
1: it's mandated by the company. While his colleagues leave early for the holidays, he stays behind. For some reason, he seems almost afraid to go home. Just the thought of getting on a plane and beginning the island vacation he booked months ago stresses him out. He starts sweating and loosens his collar. He forces himself to take deep breaths. It's starting already.
0: The next day at the airport, it gets worse. As he takes the aisle seat and tries to watch a movie on the plane, He can't focus, he can't get comfortable, and he can't sleep. Unanswered calls and undone work are all that's on
1: his mind. By the time he lands in paradise, he's sneezing and coughing. His luxury suite becomes a padded prison. The next day, he can barely get out of bed at all. He chugs water, takes vitamin C, and doses himself with a million over-the-counter medications. Nothing does the trick.
0: Not for the first time. The man has the flu during the holidays. His lonely hotel room only makes the symptoms worse. At least at the office, he has the occasional interaction with co-workers. But on vacation, he's all alone. There's nothing to do,
1: no reason to get up. As his vacation days slip by, all he can do is wait and try not to be anxious. On the day of his return flight, he's just able to make it through the airport and go through customs.
0: Though he still feels sick, he's considerably less anxious on the flight back. Soon, he'll be able to sleep in his own bed and hopefully even get
1: back to work. And just like that, when his alarm goes off at 5 a.m. the next morning, he wakes up feeling better than he has in a week. He smiles despite himself as he sips the bland break-room coffee. Back to the office, back to real life. It's a shame he couldn't unwind this time, but there's always next year.
0: This man isn't the only one who seems cursed to be sick during the holidays. By one estimate, up to three percent of professionals are struck with similar symptoms whenever they try to take a vacation. They all might be suffering from a little-known condition called leisure sickness.
1: The true origins of leisure sickness may lie much further in the past, but it was first articulated by psychologists Ad Wingerhoes and Micah van Heegervoort in 2001. That year, the men wrote the paper Leisure Sickness, an explorative study, and presented their findings to the American Psychosomatic Society, or APS.
0: The condition was exactly the kind of thing the APS was suited for. In Wingerhoes and van Heugervoort's view, it was a psychological phenomenon
1: with biological consequences. Leisure sickness was, at its core, a psychological phenomenon. Wingerhose and Van Heugervoort's paper asserted that some hard-working people, especially people who might be called workaholics, tended to get sick on weekends and holidays more often than when working.
0: The effects associated with leisure sickness are equivalent to those of a cold, runny nose, nausea, migraine, and other relatively similar symptoms. According to Vingerhoes and Van Heugervoort, These symptoms are real, physical reactions caused by an affected individual's inability to relax. They claimed that because some people had trouble taking their focus off of work to enjoy free time, their immune systems were compromised.
1: To support their argument, Wingerhoes and Van Heugervoort questioned almost 2,000 people to determine whether those people could identify with the symptoms of leisure sickness. Around 3%, more than 50 people, said they did. Since then,
0: leisure sickness has become a somewhat controversial term. Some psychologists believe there is insufficient evidence to classify it as a psychological disorder. Others feel the purported effects of the condition are attributable to other factors and do not stem from a measurable immune response.
1: For example, Professor Paul Roche, president of the American Institute of Stress, says leisure is simply frustrating for some people with type A personalities. By type A
0: personalities, Roche is referring to highly competitive, organized, and impatient individuals. This definition was first used in the 1950s in a psychological study designed to measure the frequency of heart disease among people with different personality types. In the study, type A personalities were contrasted with type B, which were described as being more relaxed and less neurotic.
1: Since that study, type A and type B personality theory has faced heavy criticism from the medical community. It is no longer used as a psychological concept and the results of the original study have been called into question. Even so, it remains a common way to broadly distinguish between different people. In relation to leisure sickness, Roche has stated that people classified as type A often have trouble relinquishing control over situations and become stressed by the prospect of free time. He contends
0: that leisure sickness is a physical manifestation of the stress high-controlling people feel when they're forced to let go of their control. In his words, leisure sickness is all psychosomatic, not a bona
1: fide diagnosis. Psychosomatic, or psychogenic diseases, are physical ailments that are thought to be caused by psychological stress rather than by external factors like viruses or bacteria. It's
0: difficult to conclusively declare that an illness is psychogenic. After all, it may be that unknown factors are causing a disease or that doctors and researchers do not have the tools to detect a disease-causing agent. Technological or other inadequacies may make a real pathogen agent all but imperceptible to medical tests.
1: In the case of psychogenic pain, the problems become even more pronounced. If leisure sickness was hypothetically psychogenic, then the migraines experienced by people who claim to have the condition would also be. Yet, as Dr. George Engel points out, all pain is in the mind. He sums up his point in his paper,
0: Psychogenic Pain and the Pain Prone Patient. Dr. Engel writes What is experienced and reported as pain is a psychological phenomenon. Pain does not come into being without the operation of the
1: psychic mechanisms. Considering the fact that all people experience pain slightly differently, and that everyone relies on their psyche to some degree to measure their pain, it may not be possible to determine whether something like a migraine is totally psychogenic. Because of this,
0: Rosh's contention that leisure sickness is solely psychological is far from the only explanation for the condition.
1: Dr. Esther Sternberg of the National Institutes of Health believes the symptoms of leisure sickness are caused by hormones the body releases when stressed. Dr. Sternberg
0: points out that stress prompts the body to release a hormone called adrenaline. This causes an individual's blood sugar to increase dilates the pupils, and contributes to the fight-or-flight response, which occurs when one reacts to a threat.
1: Adrenaline is released by the adrenal glands, which also produce the steroid hormone cortisol. Stress causes an increase in the production of cortisol as well, which, like adrenaline, increases blood sugar and prepares the body to react to an imminent threat.
0: But cortisol can also suppress the immune system. By impeding the body's inflammatory response, it can make people more susceptible to infection. And because cortisol continues to stay in the body long after adrenaline has already faded, it can leave stressed people vulnerable to sickness.
1: The consequences of sustained high cortisol levels can be severe. A study led by Marcel Ebrecht at King's College found that wounds healed slower for patients with high stress and cortisol levels.
0: Long-term, high cortisol levels can even damage brain cells and learning ability. According to one study led by Dr. Mark T. McCauley, cortisol has been linked to the decay of the hippocampus, a region of the brain which helps to form new memories.
1: But that's not all. When an individual lives a high-stress life, the resulting cortisol can wear down the body. Chronic stress-produced cortisol can lead to mood disorders, anxiety disorders, and fever.
0: With effects like that, it doesn't seem like a stretch to conclude that feeling stress at the prospect of leisure time could, in turn, cause illness. Stress is not just a psychological concept. It's a real bodily state which affects the
1: health of all people. Even so, this potential cause for leisure sickness remains unproven. Though there is plenty of evidence for the damaging effects of stress overall, its connection to leisure sickness hasn't been conclusively established.
0: And as it turns out, it's not the only possible explanation for the condition.
1: When we return, we'll discuss some more potential causes of leisure sickness and the harsh, long-term consequences of workaholism. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime.
0: Leisure sickness is a controversial psychological phenomenon which causes certain high-stress individuals to fall ill on weekends and holidays. The exact mechanism of leisure sickness has yet to be discovered. Some believe it's caused when stress weakens the body's immune system.
1: Others have a different explanation, based on one of the world's most common travel destinations, the airport.
0: It's a story many of us are familiar with. A busy family comes together once a year at a kid-friendly destination in the middle of the country. Distant relatives stay up all night cooking in advance, and old men prepare to argue with each other about politics.
1: Meanwhile, one parent is in the center of it all, planning detailed itineraries and making sure no one backs out of the reunion. When the
0: day finally comes, the kids are hustled into the van and driven to the airport. For a while, it was stressful. But once everyone is through security and sitting in the terminal, one mother finally has time to relax.
1: Except she can't. As soon as she's sure the whole family is going to make it safely, thoughts of work creep in. She's been going at full speed for so long, she no longer remembers how to hit the brakes. The busy airport only makes things worse.
0: Men coughing, children slobbering, people taking off their dirty shoes and walking barefoot to the newsstand to grab a magazine.
1: It's enough to make her sick. Almost on cue, she begins to feel a scratch in her throat. She busies herself by rechecking her schedule, but she knows the damage has been done.
0: Someone here is making her ill, but the whole place has to be riddled with disgusting germs. She couldn't possibly avoid them all. She tells herself again to relax and tries to ignore her growing anxiety on the flight. She can't even hug her children without fears that their vacation will be ruined too, all this hard work
1: and no way to enjoy it. Her symptoms get worse until the next morning. She's forced to spend the entire reunion laid up at her grandma's house on an ancient mattress shivering under a scratchy comforter. Another victim of leisure
0: sickness. But experiences like these may not be fully explained just by stressful work. Instead, The symptoms may be caused by the pathogens found rampant
1: in airports across the globe. It's true that travel hubs are hotspots for disease-causing germs. A 2016 study by the Finnish National Institute for Health and Welfare found that a full 50% of samples taken from airport security bins showed evidence of viruses.
0: The most commonly found pathogen was the rhinovirus, otherwise known as the common cold.
1: The symptoms caused by the rhinovirus—runny nose, headache, congestion, and cough— are in line with those experienced by people who claim to suffer from leisure sickness. But the study found other germs present in the air samples, too. Twenty-five percent of them showed the presence of adenoviruses.
0: Adenoviruses can result in illnesses that are more extreme than a cold and can cause inflammation of the intestine, pink eye, and rashes. Respiratory adenoviruses include bronchitis and pneumonia.
1: Of course, many people are exposed to these same pathogens every day, but their effectiveness depends on the response of each individual's immune system.
0: If a person with a suppressed immune system comes into contact with one of these germs, they're more likely to contract an illness. This means that those who are highly stressed by traveling, like those who may have leisure sickness, would theoretically be at a greater risk for
1: disease than the average person. But it's difficult to say for sure. Symptoms often appear days after contact with a pathogen it's typically impossible to pinpoint the source of an infection or when exposure occurred.
0: This means we can't know how many people with leisure sickness contract disease outside of work or when exactly their immune systems may have been compromised.
1: This doesn't quite close the case on leisure sickness, however. After all, many people also travel for work and some people are stressed in an airport for reasons other than workaholism.
0: Without further research directly focused on leisure sickness, it's difficult to know the full implications of the condition. But multiple studies have investigated the lasting health problems associated with people who work intensely and compulsively.
1: One study, conducted by Dr. Cecile Hsu-Andreason, divided self-confessed workaholics into two groups, enthusiastic and non-enthusiastic. Non-enthusiastic workaholics work instinctively and without any real enjoyment of their job. Enthusiastic workaholics, as defined by the study, enjoy their work and get significant personal fulfillment from their jobs.
0: Unsurprisingly, non-enthusiastic workaholism was significantly correlated with burnout, job stress, and health complaints. Enthusiastic workaholics, on the other hand, reported significantly fewer health complaints and experienced less stress overall than their non-enthusiastic
1: counterparts. This suggests that a major component of the health risks associated with overwork is the type of job being performed. Employees at customer service jobs who are subject to lower pay and were less likely to receive supplementary rewards for their hard work were more likely to be non-enthusiastic and highly stressed by their positions.
0: There are other factors to consider as well. Though much research remains to be done, there is evidence that workaholics are more likely to have unhealthy diets than those who spend less time at work.
1: If workaholics are more likely to skip meals or shun healthier options in favor of convenient fast food, There could be long-term mental and physical health risks. In particular, avoiding breakfast has been shown to negatively impact an individual's well-being.
0: One study by the Department of Public Health and the University of Helsinki found that those who skipped breakfast were less likely to exercise and were more likely to lead sedentary lifestyles. The same study found that breakfast skippers regulated their behavior more poorly than those who ate breakfast and were more likely to have a higher body mass index.
1: All in all, though correlation does not mean causation, the study discovered that often those who avoided breakfast also engaged in other unhealthy behaviors.
0: It seems finding the cause of leisure sickness may be more complicated than it
1: first appeared to be there's even a possibility it's genetic
0: according to a 2011 study by christine m chamberlain and naizhan zhang college students who described their parents as workaholics were significantly more likely to be workaholics as well
1: it's unclear if the connection is hereditary but evidence suggests it is at least in part environmental Psychologist Dr. Brian E. Robinson wrote that some children, classified as overfunctioning or workaholic children, thrive despite difficult upbringings. When adult responsibilities are thrust upon these kids, they cope in the short term by embracing the control and become very hard workers. Typically,
0: the children are praised for their maturity and intelligence. In Dr. Robinson's words, Because achievement and competition are so highly valued in our society, workaholic children go unnoticed in terms of a need for a special intervention. Instead, their dysfunctional behavior patterns are reinforced and enabled.
1: Their outward success can mask deeper problems with self-esteem and perfectionism. The validation they receive from their work becomes their goal and even an addiction of sorts. It can come at the expense of a person's sense of adequacy, their social lives, and as in the case of leisure sickness, even their physical health. The
0: cycle can be difficult to break out of because workaholic children are conditioned to accept their compulsions as normal and even profitable. When taken to its extreme, this behavior
1: can even span generations. Though workaholism can be a result of taking on adult responsibilities as a child, it can also develop when family values emphasize commitment to work above all else. A parent's workaholism can to some extent dictate
0: the schedule, beliefs, and rules a child must live by. When family dynamics are built around such behavior, it can become cemented in the minds of children and can cause them to fall into work addiction as
1: adults. In other words, behaviors which cause leisure sickness may start from an early age and may be reinforced by society at large.
0: This is what makes leisure sickness and workaholism in general so elusive. The behavior, which has been linked to serious physical and psychological health concerns, is often socially advantageous to workaholics and can be a key aspect of their self-image.
1: Even worse, due to leisure sickness, it may be that workaholics become physically ill when they cannot work, making them even less likely to see their addiction as an important issue. In fact, according to Dr.
0: Robinson, it is extremely uncommon for a workaholic to seek treatment of their own accord. For instance, Instead of individual therapy, workaholics more often find themselves in marital therapy because of the social consequences of their overwork.
1: Unfortunately, even this might not be enough to deal with the consequences of compulsive work, including leisure sickness.
0: When we return, We'll discuss the treatment options doctors recommend for leisure sickness. And now, back to the story.
1: Leisure sickness is a possible psychological condition which may cause some individuals, usually described as workaholics, to experience cold or flu-like symptoms when they try to take a vacation. We've discussed the debate surrounding the existence of the disease and its possible causes. But the most important question is how the condition can be treated. According to Nicole Jennings,
0: spokesperson for the pharmaceutical company Pharma Dynamics, there are many possible treatment options for leisure sickness, but their effectiveness may vary from person to person.
1: The immediate effects of the disease can usually be treated in the same way as any cold or flu-like illness. Over-the-counter medications designed to deal with cough, congestion, nausea, and headaches should all work to curb those symptoms. This is because the same pathogen which causes the common cold, the rhinovirus, may still be at work in cases of leisure sickness.
0: The greater problem, however, is treating the underlying cause of the cold or flu, which might be the stressors weakening the body's immune system. As we discussed, these stressors are what ultimately prevent the immune system from fighting off pathogens before they make a person ill.
1: Most immediately, treatment for leisure sickness involves taking small steps to lower one's overall stress level, especially when going to disease hotspots like airports.
0: Breathing exercises, meditation, or other methods may all reduce an individual's stress, depending on the person. According to some psychologists and researchers, this may help the immune system perform at its best.
1: Ad Wingerhoes and Micah van Heugervoort, the psychologists who first coined the term leisure sickness, suggested in their initial paper that physical exercise after an evening of work may also be relaxing.
0: Both psychologists acknowledged that further research needed to be done on the disease, but they believed that consciously training the mind to relax could help sufferers of leisure sickness transition from work to free time. Exercise might be ideal for this purpose as the exertion prepares the body to physically rest. This might, in turn, allow a person to mentally unwind as well.
1: Another recommendation given in the paper was to cut out or reduce consumption of alcohol and caffeine. Heavy use of these substances could increase stress levels and make one more prone to leisure sickness. But these
0: approaches may not reduce the risk of disease long-term. Permanent lifestyle changes may be necessary to make a lasting impact on affected
1: individuals. To be most effective, Treatments must target the workaholism at the root of leisure sickness.
0: Which may be easier said than done. Workaholism can be driven by many factors, and each person's response to psychological stress is different. Even
1: so, there are some proven ways to alleviate the condition. One is talk therapy, which focuses on creating a more effective dialogue between patients and their loved ones therapy can help a person comprehend the impact of their compulsion on themselves and their loved ones and encourage them to take an active role in their own well-being.
0: But ultimately, therapy focused on improving social skills can have limited lasting results. As Dr. Brian E. Robinson writes, Based on my experience, while this approach is an effective short-term palliative, it has few, if any, lasting benefits.
1: A more complex, but also more complete form of treatment, in Dr. Robinson's opinion, is therapy which focuses on the patient's history and the underlying psychological drives which motivate them to overwork.
0: Factors like narcissism, isolation, and a need for control may all contribute to workaholism. To be effective, treatment must target these specific
1: issues. The first thing to keep in mind, according to Dr. Robinson, is that in the initial stages of treatment, workaholics should never be encouraged to lessen their professional obligations.
0: This may be the eventual end goal of treatment, but before the topic can be broached, there are other issues to address. Dr. Robinson identifies three.
1: First, workaholics should be encouraged to seek support from friends, coworkers, and other sources when they feel overwhelmed. This is
0: important because many workaholics have an overdeveloped sense of independence and may naturally avoid asking for help when they need it. Learning to offload work when it becomes overbearing is essential. It is especially important because workaholics will eventually have to redistribute their responsibilities in order to cultivate a healthier work-life balance.
1: The second thing Dr. Robinson recommends is that the material benefits of compulsive work be acknowledged by the therapist before the treatment can proceed. The key is to compare the material benefits of overwork to the psychological and interpersonal costs of such a lifestyle. In effect, a workaholic usually must be convinced they are losing something real and valuable by working before they can truly agree to change their behavior.
0: Lastly, Dr. Robinson states that a major goal of the therapy should be to identify the negative effects praise at work can have on a workaholic's overall health. In other words, patients have to learn to value their entire lives rather than putting their work lives far above everything else.
1: With these principles in mind, many workaholics have improved the quality of their lives, though the road is not easy. Like any other addictive behavior, it takes a strong personal commitment and outside support to treat effectively. With treatment
0: of workaholism, or at a minimum, stress management, leisure sickness may also be reduced. Further research is needed before the condition can be recognized as a distinct and quantifiable disorder. But there is evidence to suggest highly stressed individuals are
1: more prone to disease. The debate continues, but recently progress has been made towards solving the mystery. In time, more answers should emerge, though hopefully researchers won't be working overtime to find them. Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Medical Mysteries, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To
0: stream Medical Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical
1: Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Joel Stein. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Terrell Wells and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner.